welcome to Fireside Chats on the Young Mind, brought to you by Old Firehouse School. I'm Dorothy Stewart. I'm here with Alex Dutton, and our very special guest today is Dr. Nazia Sharif. Dr. Sharif is with Olive Leaf Pediatrics, and she's going to be talking to us about the health issues that come up during these early years. We all know that children get colds and runny noses and coughs, so let's talk to Dr. Sharif about this. First of all, Dr. Sharif, you want to tell us a little bit about your practice? Sure, Dorothy, and thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to be here and doing this podcast um, for your families. So a little bit about myself. Um, I am the founder and owner of Olive Leaf Pediatrics. We are a concierge pediatrics practice that covers Oakland and Berkeley all the way to Danville. I am probably the only East Bay practice that does house calls, primarily house calls for all my littles, and I specialize in basically newborn to six years of age, so really the early childhood years. I have a lot of lifestyle intervention focus because I believe in intervening early when they are young to set up healthier habits for the future. You know, my holistic practices make it a little bit more unique as well. I am just so excited to be here. I love sharing information. I love talking about setting healthy habits. Feel free to ask me whatever questions you'd like. I will. Okay, Dr. Sharif. First one is what are some ways to help keep children healthy during this cold and flu season? Yeah, so this is um, such a great question. And we are just entering the end of winter and the beginning of spring, but flu is still there and it's tapering off, but it is still there. And we know that cold viruses are still running abundant right now. Ways to keep healthy. Well, there's um, a couple different things. So the first thing is obviously having good hygiene during this time and maintaining it, whether you're sick or not. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And then the second thing is having a really optimized immune system. Both of those things are key to staying healthy, and I'll talk about both of them in a little bit more detail. Having good hygiene, what does that look like? That kind of goes on with like your, you know, grandma's old grooming um, uh, tips of like taking regular baths, keeping your, you know, nails trimmed, and having good oral health. So flossing and brushing your teeth and instilling this in your littles and your in your little children as well. But probably the most important important thing with hygiene is washing your hands frequently and ditch the hand sanitizers unless you absolutely have to just use some good old fashioned soap and water and I'm sure Dorothy that you guys go um through good hand washing techniques with your littles so much hand washing (laughs) excellent so just have learning the language that your child is maybe using at school and implementing that at home because really consistency for them it helps develop those habits and keeps them lifelong and you know going along also with hygiene So going into more specifics, when you are sick or when your child is sick or those around him or her are sick, teaching your child things like coughing into your elbow, Mm -hmm. you know, and just being very, very consistent with that and demonstrating that yourself as well. We know that coughing anywhere else just increases the chances of spreading those icky germs. So we want to make sure they're coughing in a place least likely to touch anything else. Again, washing your hand regularly, especially after they've been like touching their face, blowing their nose, digging their hands in their mouth, all that good stuff when they're sick, just washing their hands regularly right after that as well. And then going even a step further and maybe teaching them not to touch their nose or their face or their mouth as much. And then one thing that we kind of shy away from a little bit, which we really shouldn't, is if they see others around them coughing a lot, it is absolutely okay for them to turn their face away and look away and get away from the icky germs that might be spreading in the air. So just teaching them how to do that too, I think is is quite important. Yeah, those are all really, really good tips. And especially <laughs> being in a preschool when kids are, are going to be doing a lot of those things, we try to instill those habits. Yeah, yeah, excellent. 
What are some healthy habits to consider year-round? Dorothy, that is a great question. So really, having a healthy immune system is key to staying healthy and also being able to fight off illnesses as soon as they begin. There is just fascinating research that's emerging on gut health and how closely our microbiome is related to our immune system. So when I talk about microbiome, um, and that's a big focus in my practice, it's basically the hundreds of trillions of bugs that are inside of our gut that are responsible for so many things. And in particular, our, you know, how strong our immunity is. The question naturally comes about with how can we bolster our immunity and in effect our gut health. And one of the biggest, sometimes easiest ways that we can manipulate that is through nutrition, right? (laughs) So really feeding our good gut bugs so that they stay healthy. And what does that mean? That means feeding them foods high in fiber. That's really one of the cornerstones of maintaining good gut flora and good gut health. So fiber, you know, your fruits and vegetables, just to put it very simply. And I don't like to get too technical. Initially, people are just learning about microbiome. So just teaching your kids to eat the rainbow is a very easy visual way of encouraging them to eat all the different fruits and vegetables throughout the week. Mm -hmm. And it's a very tangible way. So you can have like, a rainbow chart and just, you know, or take your kids to the farmer's market and kind of just show them, okay, well, let's have our greens and our blues and our reds and whatnot. And and it's kind of exciting and fun. Um, So all that fiber is a good substrate. Essentially, it's a good food for the good gut bugs in our body. And also obviously keeping other bad bug foods, such as foods high in sugar and refined sugar at a minimum. The other nutritional intervention that you can go ahead and do is introduce probiotics into your child's diet Mm -hmm. if you haven't already. So probiotics are essentially you're adding extra bacteria and colonies and things like that into your gut through food. And that's like yogurt. That's like yogurt. Yeah, that's like kefir and yogurt and sauerkraut and pickled vegetables. You Mm -hmm. do have to monitor the salt content in some of these things. But um, but exactly. But even with yogurt, it's a little bit tricky because you don't want a yogurt that's high in sugar. Right. Because then you're counteracting all the benefits, right, that you're having Mm -hmm. um, for probiotics. So, yeah, Yeah. probiotics through food is always number one. And then the third thing that people often forget is vitamin D. Right. It's mm. a, it, it helps bolster immunity. The current recommendation is to have basically everyone, you know, living in the Bay Area <laughs> and most of the United States um, on about 400 international units of vitamin D daily for kids and then oh, really? even more so for adults. Yeah. And is um, that- is that just trans? I mean, because vitamin D, you get so much of that from being outside. Right. right. And the it's interesting because the way, you know, where we are um, in the Bay Area and also in relation to the equator, we still don't get enough despite oh. being in sunny California. Okay. Yeah. There's still a blanket recommendation for supplementation daily if you can. And again, of course, that's not a replacement for going out in the sun. But, you know, as we've seen all of February, we barely had any sun out here. Right, that's true. Um, So yeah, definitely supplementing during the winter and even so in the summer if needed. The second important intervention, and like I said, I focus a lot on lifestyle medicine that can bolster immunity, uh, surprisingly, is exercise. So just making sure your kids are very active throughout the day. And I'm sure you guys do a really good job of that at Old Firehouse School. But moderate exercise improves your overall blood circulation. And this can help bolster the action of your white blood cells, which are the blood cells that help fight off infection. It's also a really good natural stress relief for both mm-hmm. adults and kids. Right. And we know that when our stress hormones are low, our immunity is actually higher. So there's lots of great lifestyle benefit to both nutrition and exercise. And they're really cornerstone in helping keeping our immunity tanked up. 
That is really great advice and easy to remember. And going back just about vitamin D. So, right, we get it from outside. Are there other dietary sources that are high in vitamin D? Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of fortified foods. Like, for example, um, you know, milk might have it. um, And different milk alternatives may have vitamin D. But really, um, in terms of actual food food, it's the sun Mm -hmm. and taking supplementation. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are some of the more common illnesses that you see in your practice now? Some of the more common illnesses, I see really just newborn babies, a zero to six, like I said, and I have some older kids too. The bulk of my patients actually are healthy. They don't have chronic medical illnesses. You know, the sick visits I get, it's really seasonal. So during the summer, we'll have like the stomach bugs and we'll have hand, foot, mouth disease, which I'm sure all of you are familiar with, or you might be familiar with. <laughs> if unfortunately, you unfortunately we are familiar with all those. Um, so winter season tends but to be, yeah. I, I didn't realize that yeah. stomach flu or stomach bugs are more prevalent in the summer. They are. So summer and late fall um, has a nice uptick of enteroviruses and other summer okay. bugs that you may see. Um, and then the respiratory illnesses tend to be just a little bit more common in the winter and right. early spring as okay. as you're seeing now. But because they're respiratory and there's so many like so much like dramatic coughing and sneezing, we tend to think of winter as more of the sick season when really summer has just as many viruses that, <laughs> that are that are prevalent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. In terms of co- like more chronic illnesses, you know, sick and chronic sometimes overlap. I tend to see kids that have eczema, allergies, things of that nature. Asthma mm-hmm. tends to be a big thing. So really those kids that have this, what we call atopic picture, because all those three things kind of go hand in hand. I tend to see a lot of that. I'm sure you may have kids here <laughs> yes. that struggle with that. Mm -hmm. Some of my um, ex-NICU babies tend to have some lung issues as well. So yeah, really just a whole gamut of things um, really that I see. Dr. Sharif, when do you think a child should be brought to the doctor versus just letting them ride out a cold at home? Yeah, that's um, another great question, Dorothy. And I always want to preface, you know, everything I'm talking about um, with you guys today in that don't take this as completely hard medical advice, but guidelines and always call your pediatrician. Talk to them about anything that is of concern and follow their advice. For my families, I typically want to know if their child has a fever for about three days or so. I like to know at that point. Especially if they're not having any other symptoms and mm-hmm. just a fever, I usually want to be in the know-how. Is there mm-hmm. a particular temperature of fever that you're... Like if it was yeah. 101 for three days, yeah. would that be a concern versus, hey, it just it was 103 last night? So medically speaking, not really. Kids react differently to different temperatures. There's a myth saying that if it's a higher fever, then maybe it's more likely to be a bacterial infection. But that's not true because the flu gives us sometimes a fever of 104 for five days. You know, Uh that's a virus. So if it's 101 or higher for three days and there is no other source, then I definitely want to be called. If it's 101 for three days and your child has, you know, a little bit of a cold and it seems like things are decreasing or getting better, then it then it's safe to, to hold off. But again, okay. you know, talk to your pediatrician about those guidelines. The second thing to really take note of when kids get sick is they usually stop eating and drinking, mm-hmm. right? Just monitoring for signs of dehydration. So as pediatricians, you know, usually say like, if they're not eating, it's not as big of a deal, but if they're not drinking, we want to know. If they haven't, you know, urinated in six to eight hours, we want to know and give us a call. 
mm-hmm. at that point. So mm-hmm. really monitoring for signs for dehydration, especially in the younger ones. And obviously, if you're seeing any change in mental status or lethargy, then you want to call your doctor right mm-hmm. away or even 911, depending on how serious things are. So Dr. Sharif, we've talked about when they should bring the child to the doctor. How about when do they should bring the child back to the child care center if they've been sick? Sure. I obviously, I always defer to whatever um, school you're going to. So whatever your guidelines are, are obviously very important to follow. In my opinion, as a, as a pediatrician, I think that the child should be at least fever free for 24 hours. If they've been actively vomiting or having, you know, significant diarrhea, then they should probably have stopped that for about a day as well. Or the diarrhea is, you know, getting significantly less. If they're really, really, um, you know, if they're coughing a lot, if they're having a ton of nasal discharge, then it's probably not a good idea to send your child back to school with those symptoms as well, because you do have to think about the larger community and that they might still be pretty infectious and, you know, spread the love, as I like to, <laughs> as I like to say. Um, uh, and then finally, just looking at how they've been doing in that 24 hours and um, prior to prior to the next day that you're thinking about sending them back to school, if you see their energy level coming back and they're doing okay and they're, um, they're almost back to normal, then of course, by all means, send them back to school. But if you see them still kind of, you know, lying around and they don't have a fever, but they're still just kind of acting punky, it might be nice to just be be compassionate towards your child and think about just keeping them home for another day and just giving them another day of rest so that they can tank up and be ready to go the following day. Because the last thing you want, too, is them to get more sick yeah. or sick again, have like a relapse happen. Absolutely. You want to set them up for success, right? Mm-hmm. After, Especially after this illness or whatever they've just gone through. Thank you so much, Dr. Sharif, for coming and spending this time with us. I think we've learned a lot, right, Alice? Oh, gosh. I've learned so much in the last 20 minutes. So thank you very, very much. You are so welcome. It's been my pleasure. And thank you all for listening to Fireside Chats on the Young Mind. Being a working parent means that I am always rushing to make sure things are done. You know what helps? The OFS Concierge Services. If I know my husband will be on a trip, I'll order dinner ahead of time and just take it straight from the OFS fridge when I go home with my child. One less thing to worry about. Or when I'm about to host a party at my house, I'll use Housekeeping Delphine to clean my house before or sometimes after the party. The best part is part of their fees go back to my child's teacher, who deserves so much. I love that I am getting a service and also giving back to her. Check out the OFS website at www.oldfirehouseschool.com to find out more about the concierge services, which include school lunches, nanny services, and a family photographer.